So we're going we're gonna to answer the question this morning, what, what is the church? And, uh, and maybe you've been coming to Valleytown for a little while and you've, you've heard us talk about this, but we're going to go into some more depth and we're going we're gonna to be looking specifically at, um, at a verse in, in Acts chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and, and turn there. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, you can slip your hand up and Joe will give you one uh, of our Bibles and you can take that home. Um, and keep that. But we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And, and that's it. We're going to cover one verse today. So um, we'll see how this goes. Uh, all right, Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. So this verse tells us what was going on with the church at the time. And so first of all, let me start out by explaining what the church is not. Um, the church is not a club. It's not a country club. You don't, you don't come, pay your dues, and, and, get, and you know, just get friends for, for coming to the, being a part of the club. Um, the church is not a business the church, this is not a company with, with customers who come and, and consume spiritual goods and services. The church is not an event. So we, we might talk about going to church, like go to church on Sundays. It kind of makes it sound like it's, it's an event. The church isn't something that you go to or something that you do. The church is not a building. And unfortunately... Uh, for, for the majority of American culture, we consider the church to be a building. Um, it's funny, as I talk to people and, and, um, and they say, you know, what, what do you do? And I'll tell them and they'll say, oh, where's your church? And what they mean is not what, what city, what town, you know, what community are in. They mean, what, where's your building? Where's your church? Because I'll say... Oh, well, you know, we're, some of us are in Wilmington, some of us are in White. No, 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 no. You, you didn't understand the question. Where's, where's your church? Church, you know. And it's just, that's the way that people think, that, that the church is a building. It's somewhere that you go. Um, but the church is really, it's not. It's not a building. It, it, and, I mean, church buildings didn't even exist throughout the whole book of Acts. I mean, they were meeting mainly in, in households and and some at what was called Solomon's Porch. But they, the church didn't have buildings until much, much later. Now, I'm glad the church is not a building because we didn't even have a building, a home, until, um, until just, you know, this year. Until, well, last year. January last year. Um, we moved all over the place. Parks, the pub, um, you know, all over. So the church is... It's not a business, it's not an event, it's not a club, it's not, it's not a building. So what is it then? I mean, what is the church? And the, the Greek word that is in the New Testament that's translated to church is ecclesia, and it just means a gathering. But, but it's much more than just a gathering, um, because you can have gatherings of a lot of different people. But what is it a gathering of? It's a gathering of, of what or of whom? And, and that's the, the question that we're going to answer. What is it that, that makes a church the church, right? 
Um, I'm going to use a definition this morning that if you got a, if you got a sheet, a handout when you came in, it's on your sheet. And I'm going to start with that definition, then I'm going to break that definition down into three parts and just kind of explain that. And, and where we're headed with this is these three parts, these three um, components of our definition are also going to help us to understand what our life should look like. I mean, because actually what, what this defines is the life of the church. And if the church is a people, which I'm, I'm giving away part of, part of my sermon here, but the church is a people, then, then the church is defined by, by our individual lives. And, and so, so as, as we see the three kind of components that, that make up this definition, it's going to give us um, a better understanding of what our lives should look like, what our lives should sort of be made up of. So here's our definition that we're going to work from. The church is the presence of God among the family of God living on mission with God on earth. Okay? It's the presence of God among the family of God living on mission with God on earth. So three, three parts that I'm going to break up. The presence of God, the family of God, and the mission of God. First of all, we have to start with the presence of God. If we do not start here, if we don't start with the presence of God, then we don't ever get a church. You have to have the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the presence of God to have a church. Otherwise, it isn't a church. And the Bible actually never gives us a definition of the church, but it does give us several different metaphors for what the church is like. Okay, the first is the Bible says that the church is like a body or the body of Christ specifically and that Jesus is the head of the body. So so the church is like Jesus's body and he is the head. He's the one who is controlling, who is leading. Jesus is the head pastor of Valleytown Church and of every church that is a real church. Okay, Jesus is the head of of the body, and the body all works together. I'll go into more detail about that in just a little bit. Secondly, the church is, um, is like a bride, the bride of Christ, specifically. And Jesus being the husband, meaning that Jesus has united himself with us permanently, forever. Jesus loves us and has united himself to his church forever. Um, Thirdly, the Bible says that the church is like a vine and branches. And specifically that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And if if we're the branches, then we, we are united, connected to this vine. And from the vine, we receive all of our nourishment and our life, ultimately. The Bible says that the church is like a living building, not just, not just a building, not just bricks and mortar, but a living building made up of living stones. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You take away the cornerstone, the building collapses, but you have to have that cornerstone, that foundation. And, and then finally, there are more, but this is all I'm going to cover. The, the Bible says that the church is like a flock of sheep, and Jesus is our shepherd. So, so sheep, just so you know, are not smart animals. Um, 
they're, they're, they're kinda, they kind of just do whatever without a shepherd to direct them to water, to give them, you know, take them to pastures where they can, where they can eat, um, and to protect them from their enemies, right? So, so the church is like a flock of sheep. So with each one of these metaphors that we find in the New Testament, what we find is that if you take Jesus out of the equation, it all crumbles. Let me read you a quote by a, a church planter and an author named Neil Cole. He says, he says, The church is alive, and Jesus in its midst is its life. What is a body without a head? A corpse. What is a bride without a groom? A widow. What is a branch without a vine? Firewood. What is a building without a foundation? Rubble. What is a flock without a shepherd? A wolf's all-you-can-eat buffet. Every New Testament picture of the church points to a living connection with Jesus as the most essential component of its being. So we do not get a definition of the church unless we start with the presence of God among us, right? We take that out, it's not a church. There's a lot of gatherings happening this morning all over the nation, um, in buildings, with steeples maybe, um, that they, it says church on the building, but they're not churches because the presence of God is not among them. They might be teaching, you know, false stuff. They might be twisting God's word to come up with their own, you know, doctrine that's not correct. They might, they might, just, be, they might just be a social club, like a country club. You are not a real church if you do not have the spirit of Jesus. You're a body without a head or, um, or you know, a widow or rubble without Jesus. And so Jesus very intimately connects with us and it's his life that makes us a church. And, and, and this is on an individual level. He, he is indwelling us as individuals, and it's on a corporate level. He, he meets with us. He, he works in our midst. When we, when we worship him, something incredible happens. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we corporately come together and lift up praises, I don't know if you guys feel what happens, but God shows up in a unique way. Not that he wasn't here before, but... His presence is felt in a very manifest way. God indwells his people individually and corporately. Think about um, this, this picture of us being Jesus' body. And you think about a runner, okay? When a runner runs, she's moving two legs separately, feet, arms. Her entire body is moving and different parts are all doing different things, all the way down to muscles and tendons in her feet and toes and legs and all the way through, there are different parts moving, working together, doing different things, making this body work in unison. And the reason this body is able to work in unison is because it's all getting its cues, it's all getting its directives from one head. And the church is this way. We're all different parts and, and we have different giftings and, and abilities and things that we can contribute. And, but if we're all hearing from Jesus, 
if we're all connected to Him in our individual lives, then when we work together corporately as a body, then we're all working in unison. There's not division. There's not bickering. There's not conflict. You see how that works? And so it's really important that we are all connected very intimately to Jesus, hearing from Him and being led by Him. And when we're being led by Him, we'll be united with each other as well. So um, I really like, I like the, the metaphor of the church being the body of Christ. Um, so the church is the church first and foremost because the Spirit of Jesus inhabits us. He, he, he dwells in us. And, and um, I, I want to point this out as well. The, the book of Acts starts with um, Jesus ascending into heaven. And then you've got his, his disciples that are left behind. And they've, they've learned a lot from Jesus in three years. They've got a good, um, a good bit of knowledge, a good bit of doctrine. And they, they have each other. And so they start to meet together and they start to pray. And um, it appears that they are discussing the scriptures. And we see Peter stand up and kind of explaining some prophetic scripture. So, so what you have is a gathering of believers that are praying, that are studying the word. But guess what? They're not a church. In fact, they are not a church until chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And then the Bible begins to refer to them as the church. Until the Holy Spirit comes and inhabits them, they are not a church. It's really interesting. So, our definition starts with this. That, that, that the church is the presence of God amongst the family of God. So the family of God is every disciple of Jesus. And don't get thrown off by the word disciple. We talk about disciples a lot here. Our mission is to make, mature, and mobilize disciples. But a disciple, think of just a disciple as being an apprentice. We understand the concept of an apprentice. An apprentice is someone who studies under another person to learn from them. But a disciple of Jesus has to go a little bit deeper than just apprentice because we aren't just learning how to do what Jesus did. We're actually learning how to be, be who, he, who He is. So we are His apprentices and His, his disciples. And so the family of God is made up of everyone who has been rescued by God and is an apprentice of Jesus. And... Um, and, and is actually allowing Jesus to live through them and empower them. That's what, that's what the, the family of God is. And so um, the family of God is, is everyone who has put their, their faith in Jesus. It's everyone that's put their trust in Jesus, been redeemed by Jesus, been set free from their sin. And, and the reason that we're a family is because the Bible teaches that we've all been adopted by God. So we all have the same daddy. Meaning that we're all brothers and sisters. I love this because, because if we're brothers and sisters, then it changes how we relate to each other. We're not just people, acquaintances, who, who come and hang out here. I mean, we are brothers and sisters. We are eternally connected to one another. We're always going to be brothers and sisters because we've been adopted by God, our Father. And Jesus, our firstborn, our eldest, 
brother, firstborn from the dead. I mean, Jesus has always existed. But he's our brother, right? And he's our example and our leader. And so we're part of this, this family. And because we've been adopted by God, we've been, we've been set free. Our sin has been washed clean, blotted out. And we all come before God on level ground at the foot of the cross. There's no, there's no hierarchy. There's no ranking system. And I, I, I hate the idea of clergy and laity. That's a man-made concept. There's no clergy and laity in Scripture. There's, there's leaders in the church. There's elders and deacons, that kind of thing. But there's no clergy and laity. There's no, the, in fact, what the Bible says is that we're all priests of God. The Bible says that we are all um, to be used by God as representatives to the world. And, and so we all come together as completely forgiven, completely accepted and loved by God, brothers and sisters on level ground. We're a family. So um, this, this, you can see how this would um, keep you from thinking of the church as a business, where, where you come and you, you just, you know, consume as a customer. You just consume, you know, a cup of coffee and a sermon and, and some music. Um, hopefully you don't see this that way. Yeah, we have coffee because we want, we, we want you to feel at home. I mean, if you came to my house, I would probably offer you a cup of coffee. Um, and yeah, we have books, but we're not, back, we're not trying to sell books to, to make money. We don't make any money. We just buy those and sell those for what we bought them for. Those are our resources that we want to make available for you to, to start growing. And, and that, just, that just makes that convenient for you. Um, this is not in any way a business. It's, it's a family. And, you know, it's that customer-consumer mindset that leads us to get picky and complain about, you know, the chairs are too plastic or... Music's not my favorite, or the sermons are just too good. That's the one I get sick of hearing all the time. Um, but, but seriously, you know, when, we're, when we see each other as a family, then we relate to one another in that way. If my sermon really sucks one week, then you go, well, my brother Ben just really blew it. But you can have some grace for that, right? And, and it's, it's no big deal. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says that every single person in the church is God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's prepared them in advance for us to do. We are all, every single person has these good works that God has prepared for us to walk into. And so... Um, this, is, this is what it means to live on mission with God. This last part of, of this definition is that, that we are the family living on mission with God. We're participating in His mission. And, um, and if, if we see that we are all individually gifted... We all have works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Then you start to see, well, okay, I have a real role to play. 
I, I, want to, I want to live out my purpose. I want God to use me for whatever purposes he has for me. And, and that's, man, that gets, me, that gets me excited. That gets me pumped because, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times we think of, of doing good works like this awkward thing that's, that's you know, forced. Something that we have to really, like, try hard at. But here's what this is saying. It's already prepared for you. It's already, there are, today, there are already good works for you waiting for you to walk into. The key here is whether or not you are living your life in, a, in cooperation with the presence of God. Don't make this, don't make this too hard. When we, when we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is His, his rule. And when Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying God's rule is now available for you to join into. His kingdom is available for you to join in. It's at hand. It's near. It's within grasp. God's kingdom is all around us. His, the heavens, the, the word that the Bible uses for heavens, there's like first, the first heavens, it's, it's it's not someplace up there. There is the heaven up there where the throne is. But most of the time what the Bible is talking about when it says the heavens, it's translated usually just heaven, singular, because we don't have an English word for it. But it's actually all around us. Um, Jesus, when he's teaching about not worrying in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about the birds of the air. He says, the birds of the air never worry about where they're going to get their food. Well, I was looking at the original language there. You know what it actually says? The birds of the heavens. So the air around us is heaven as well. And this is so hard for us to get our Western, you know, our, our, our American thinking minds to wrap around. But there are angels, demons, unseen things all around us, and so much more than, than what meets the eye. And so when Jesus is saying, you know, you, know, you need to be like the birds of the heavens who, who don't worry about where their sustenance is coming from, for, their, for the Father of the heavens, the, their heavenly Father feeds them. The Father of the heavens. The fa- God is the God of of the atmosphere around us. He's everywhere. He, there's nowhere that you can go, the Bible says, where he is not already there. You cannot escape from his presence. And I just say that because it's so important that we realize that God is not out there, some far-off place. And if we just yell loud enough, he might hear us or he might come down and intervene. God is always here with us waiting to interact with us. And really, faith starts there. In the Old Testament, that's what you see. I mean, you see that they expected God, those who were of great faith, expected God to meet them, to interact with them right there in the atmosphere around them. Do a study on the word heavens in the New Testament and see what you come up with. It's really interesting. So God is here. God is near to us. And the kingdom of God is all around us. So when Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need, 
What he means is just join in with what God is doing around you. Seek the kingdom is not, it's not this weird, this weird stuff. It just means join in with what God is, with what he's doing. God is at work around us in our world. His rule, his reign, his kingdom is here. We have the option of joining in with that. We join into his kingdom when we bring our heart, our lives in line with his will. When we, when we are open to him, when we are surrendered to him. And so when we do that, the point is that then we walk right into the good works that he's prepared for us to do. It just happens as a natural reaction to living in line with, with him. Living in cooperation with his presence. So that's what it means to be on mission with God. It means that we, as Jesus' apprentices, are seeking to live in cooperation with his presence and to see other people become apprentices of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. I mean, a disciple, by very definition, is a disciple maker. Every disciple is a disciple maker. We, we, we might do that in, in different ways because we do have different gifts, but we've all been commissioned by Jesus to go and make disciples. And so as we join in this mission, this isn't something that's going to be awkward, difficult, you know, it, that we're going to have to force. It's going to come naturally as we are living in the kingdom of God. It's going to embolden us to share the gospel. I mean, we're going to find ourselves talking to people about what God is up to. As we live in cooperation with Him, then He's going to be doing miraculous things in our lives. And when He's doing miraculous things in your life, you can't help but share them. I mean, you just, you, you, you spill over and people are like, man, it's, it's incredible. God wants us to be His witnesses, to witness to what He's doing. And He wants us to share the gospel with people. Tell them what what has Jesus done? How has he changed your life? Tell them. Explain it. That's, that's what it looks like to, to be on mission with God. So, our definition of the church, once again, is the presence of God among the family of God, living out the mission of God on this earth. And that, that definition consists of three components. Or three dimensions. You have your up dimension. That's the presence of God in your relationship with Him. And then you have the in dimension. And that's, that's the family of God and our relationship with each other. With our brothers and sisters. And then you have the out dimension. And that's our relationship to the world around us. God's desire for us to be on mission. And so, if we're going to be a healthy growing church, then as individuals, we need to be making sure that each one of these, these areas of our lives are growing. If we do that, I mean, you will not be able to stop what God is going to do with this church. And as you start to look at these three simple dimensions of our lives, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with the world, you'll see this all through Scripture. I couldn't believe as I started to flip through, it's like, it's, it's everywhere. It's in all the epistles. It's everywhere. Up, in, and out. In, in Mark eleven seventeen, 17, Jesus um, 
runs the, the, the money changers, the people who are selling animals and stuff, out of the temple. Makes a whip. If anybody ever tells you that Jesus was a, a quiet and... Um, Jesus was a bold man. He was not afraid of anything. So he makes a whip. He runs these people out of the temple. And then he explains, he says, Is it not written... This is Mark eleven seventeen. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? That word house is the word oikos. Oikos means household or family. Households in their day were your immediate family as well as your extended family. You all lived under one roof and so you called it your household, your oikos. And that's this word here. He says, my house... My oikos shall be called an oikos, a family of prayer for all the nations. So, my family, that's your, that's your end dimension, right? Jesus calls us his family. My family shall be called a family of prayer. That's your up dimension, prayer, our, our communication, our relationship, our, our um, connection to the Father. So that's your up dimension for all the nations. That's your out dimension. So even here in, in Jesus' quick definition of, of the church, he's saying it's a family in of prayer up for the nations out. You'll see this everywhere as you look through it, the word. So we need to be concerned with these three dimensions of our lives as individuals. Our participation with the presence of God, our participation with the family of God, and our participation in the mission of God. Those are your fill-in-the-blanks if, you, if you're uh, taking notes. My participation with the presence of God, with the family of God, in the mission of God. So if each one of us are growing in these areas of our lives, we'll accomplish our mission here in this in this community. All right, so let's look really quickly at the rest of this verse, Acts 9.31, and see these three components or dimensions right here in this verse. Um, It says, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Okay, they had peace with each other. They weren't bickering, quarreling, disputing, Arguing they were brothers and sisters living like good brothers and sisters should. And so they had peace with each other. And they were being built up. And the Bible really clearly says that the, the family of God builds each other up. We, we are supposed to be teaching one another, encouraging one another, correcting one another. I mean, we are supposed to be in building each other up in the faith. And it, it's, there's a really cool passage in um, Colossians 3 that talks about that, that the Word of God should be indwelling us so much so that it's spilling out of us. And because it's spilling out of us in all of our regular interactions and conversations, then, then each person is being built up through those interactions. Uh, we're, we're learning from each other. We're being, we're being taught. We're being built up. So that's where we see this in dimension 
of the church. When we all participate in the family of God, when we are growing in our participation in the family of God, you know, we're spending more time together. Look, this, one of our like core beliefs is that we do not want to fill up your life with programs. And so, you know, we intentionally keep things very stripped down. We have these gatherings. We have missional communities which meet every two weeks. We have huddles that meet every two weeks. Huddles are, are where we do a more intense discipleship. If you want to, if you want to have like higher challenge homework kind of thing, then come talk to us. We'll, we'll plug you into a huddle. Uh, missional communities are where we get together in a, in a larger setting and we have a meal and we have a little time in the Word and, and pray and we find out what's going on. But in but it, it's just that simple. We don't want to have, you know, a men's ministry and a women's ministry and a, and a, you know, runner's ministry and a reading club and a, I mean, we don't want to fill you up with stuff. You're already busy. What we would rather see, and the reason we do this so simply is because we would rather see you walking out the good works that God has prepared for you to do in advance. We would rather you see, we would rather see you simply doing this stuff naturally that God is calling you to do. We want you to have time to invite your neighbor over for a meal, or we want you to have time to invest in that person that you work with. And if we fill you up with stuff, all you're going to be doing is only in. You're never going to have time for out, right? And so we we keep it really simple for that reason. Um, Then it says that, that they... Walk, it says, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So, how did they walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Well, they, they actually understood this concept of God present with us. And when you understand that God is really here, He's really here, then you start to understand that, wow, I need to be careful what I do. He's here, He sees everything. Jesus, in the same sermon um, that I was referencing in Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, pray to your Father in secret who sees what's done in secret. When you fast, fast in secret, your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. He sees everything. He, he, he is always here. When we get the, the nearness, the hearness of God, it causes us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Not in a fear like, that, that we might be condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But in the sense that we should fear Him like, like we should fear a loving Father who's going to discipline us and correct us if we go astray. So, we, when we understand the presence of God in our midst, with us we walk in the fear of the Lord. But then here's the other flip side of the coin. When we understand the hearness and the nearness of God, we also walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We know that no matter what trial we go through, He is with us. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. He will go with us. He never promises us that, He never says anything like that we aren't going to have troubles because we're following Him, because we're part of His family. We still live in a sin-riddled world. We still live in, in a world that's very much 
affected by the fall. And people who are affected by the fall. And bodies that are affected by the fall. So we're going to encounter trials and troubles. But he is going to be with us. That's what it looks like to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So when, we're, when we start growing in our participation in the presence of God, then we will start to be aware of Him. We will start to be led by Him into mission. We will start to be comforted by that awareness of His presence. And then it says that they multiplied. The church family multiplied. How, how does a church family multiply? Well, simply, I mean, they're carrying out the, the Great Commission. Jesus' last words to them. They are making disciples, like Jesus said to do. They are apprentices, disciples of Jesus, who are going and making more disciples of Jesus. And so they're multiplying. Um, In order for us as a church to multiply, then we all need to be participating in the mission of God. And, you know, this past year, I am absolutely celebrating what God has done this past year in our church. We have grown. We've grown primarily by addition. A few people each week, handful here, handful there coming in here. That's addition growth. What multiplication growth looks like is, is all of us, the parts of the family, the parts of the body out there, sharing Jesus with people and people coming to know Jesus. And then people coming in here after they've come to know Jesus through your individual influences. That's how you grow by multiplication. That's how you grow exponentially. And when that starts to happen, we're going to have a movement on our hands. And there's going to be churches popping up all over southern Vermont. Our vision is to see all of southern Vermont filled with disciples of Jesus. Well, that's only going to happen when we learn to live in cooperation with the presence of God on mission with God. And so we see that the early church learned to do that. They, they learned to be disciples of Jesus while also leading others to be disciples of Jesus. We want to multiply this church on every level. That means that disciples are making new disciples. If you're a leader here in the church, then leaders are developing new leaders. And then we also want to, de- we want to multiply on the level of churches. We want churches to be planting new churches. And I'm excited that this year we're going to plant our first church planting church in Brattleboro. And... Um, there's a team of people moving up next month, and, and we're going to get started with that right away. And that church will be a church-planting church. They will plant new churches, and we will continue to plant new churches that are church-planting churches. And so when you, when you multiply on every level, but that doesn't happen if we don't multiply on the level of disciple, right? And, and if we don't multiply on the level of leader, if we don't have leaders stepping up, then that doesn't ever happen. So if we multiply on every level, this becomes a movement. That's the way that God designed it. That's not like some great idea that we had out of the blue. That's just the Bible. That's what they did in this book. And so we're trying to emulate that. So here's where it gets really personal, okay? For you, think about your own personal life. These three dimensions of your life, your your relationship with God or your cooperation with God, your relationship with God, to the family of God, your relationship to the world around you. And what would it look like for each person individually to make steps forward, progress of growth in each dimension of your life? 
I mean, just make that really practical. Just think about it. Maybe you need to pray about it some, but maybe God's already telling you. Maybe, maybe in your personal life, you need to start spending consistent time in God's Word. Maybe you need to start spending consistent time in prayer. Um, maybe there's some things in your, in your life that you know God's been saying, hey, you need to stop, you need to lay that down, you need to surrender that over. And it's time to do that, to, to take steps forward in your up dimension. And then in, in your in dimension, what would it look like for you to be a better member of the family? A participating member, not a customer or a consumer, but a participating contributor to the family. What would that look like for God to use your gifts and talents and abilities in this family? Specifically, what are some steps that God wants you to take? You need to get plugged into a missional community. Are you ready to get in a huddle? Um, Okay, and what about your out dimension? Are there people that you are not engaging that God's been leading you to engage? Is there a neighbor that you are supposed to talk to that you haven't spoken with? Is there someone, a friend, that God's been saying, hey, tell them about me, and you haven't done it? Let's, let's start being obedient as we participate with God on his mission. But, but here's the thing. Let's just take small steps in each area. And as we do that, I mean... It only increases our joy. It only increases our joy as we get our lives more in line with the kingdom of God, more more involved in what God is already doing around us. And if we will do that, if if we each really get serious about growing in each of these areas, then imagine, imagine what, what could happen. We actually can see God fill Southern Vermont with disciples of Jesus. I mean, imagine being able, you, you couldn't go to the store, you couldn't go to Shaw's or, you know, or anywhere in the valley without running into somebody whose life has recently been just turned upside down by Jesus. Or imagine that it's spread so far, you can't even go to Bennington or Brattleboro or anywhere in between without running into someone whose life has been recently turned upside down by Jesus. That's what it will look like to have all of Southern Vermont filled with disciples of Jesus. And you know what happened? If God changes a whole region like that, it spreads. It's like a fire and you cannot stop it. It's called revival and it happens. We have historical documents that tell us what revivals are like. That is what we want to see happen here in Southern Vermont. But it starts with us as individuals. So... um, so let's apply this, okay? Let's, let's really, where the rubber meets the road, let's, let's ask God, what are the changes that I need to make? And if you're like me, you need to write it down. If I don't write something down, it might as well have never gone into my head. And talk to someone about it. Make a plan. Be accountable to it, you know? Whoever you talk to, say, hey, check back in with me on this. See if I'm doing it. And if we do that, guys... I mean, not only will our lives become more fulfilled and joyful, but the change is going to spread like a fire throughout this community. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and the chance to to worship you and to hear from your word. Um, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family. Um, 
in what you're doing here, what you're doing in individual lives and families. And Lord, we, we ask that you would continue to do that. Continue to, to work on us, to mold us more and more into the image of Jesus. Give us boldness, Lord, to, to share Jesus with our friends and our family and our co-workers. Lord, I pray that you would um, grow us in our, in our relationships with each other, in our relationship with you, in our relationships with the world around us, God. Use us, empower us for your glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.